0: Hey there, and welcome back to the Rather Be Sweating Podcast. I'm your host, Maria McBride, and this is episode number five. Now, this time of year is really significant for so many of us because it marks the anniversary of the pandemic shutdown in 2020. Now, usually, anniversaries celebrate something joyful and happy like birthdays and weddings. And when I think back to that day in 2020, March 15th, 2020, to be exact, I was overcome with stress, anxiety, and fear, not joy, and certainly not happiness. I had made the decision to close my studio about 12 hours before Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker issued the government shutdown order. And I remember physically shaking with the uncertainty of how this would all play out. And yet, even though that day and the many months after challenged me beyond anything I'd ever known, I think it's important to look back on it in order to remember what the experience taught us. When I began the podcast late last month, this was one of the episodes I was really excited to create. The pandemic taught many lessons that apply to life as a small business owner, a yogi, and a mom, and we're far enough removed from the intensity of how it first started that I can think back clearly now. And I wanted to share what I. I've learned so that these lessons can help us the next time we run into a challenge. I started jotting down my ideas and I felt relief, levity, happiness, and above everything, joy. Joy for my studio community and joy for yoga. Joy for sweating. But then as I began structuring the episode, Ukraine was invaded. Dealing with a four-month business shutdown seems like nothing. It was nothing compared to what's happening in Ukraine. When it comes to this crisis, I feel helpless, and at times I'm paralyzed, afraid to enjoy anything, and overwhelmed with seemingly no way to help. For those of you listening who practice at Hometown Sweat, you won't be surprised to know that our wonderful yoga teacher, Lisa, had some awesome advice when I shared this with her. She reminded me that when I'm feeling joy for something, to embrace it, because that joy will be what inspires action, action that can help, even in the smallest way. So here we are. What if we could use some good energy going on right now for good? Before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, I want to let you know that I'll be matching the first $55 donations to Sunflower of Peace, a Boston-based nonprofit providing medical and humanitarian aid that will be used by the paramedics and doctors in the areas that are affected by the violence in Ukraine. What that means is that if you're one of the first 50 people to donate $5, send me a screenshot of your receipt and I'll match it. My email address will be in the show notes. Not only that, but I'll also donate a dollar for the first hundred downloads of this podcast episode. That means if you're right down the street or across the ocean, you can pretty easily make a difference simply by downloading the episode. So what do you need to do? Share the episode. Grab the link and text it to your friends. And if you have five bucks to spare, donate it. Send me a picture of the receipt and I'll match it. Without further ado, here's episode number five. Five lessons the pandemic taught me that are worth remembering. Okay, so the truth is, I could probably record a five-hour episode about everything the COVID-19 pandemic taught me. Honestly, I should probably write a book, which I may still do. But the really fascinating thing is that all of the lessons I'm going to highlight here today were brought to light by the pandemic, but they're actually just really good lessons that I know will be helpful in running my business, in practicing yoga on my mat, and really in just living my life. And if these lessons transcend the pandemic and help so many aspects of my life... I figured that sharing them may help you too. So let's get it started. Lesson number one, sprint at the beginning. I'm going to tell you a little story. When I was in high school, I ran on the cross-country team. Every fall, we'd have a huge state meet at the Franklin Park Zoo right in Boston. The starting line stretched along the wide end of a huge field across which the runners would sprint before coming to a bottleneck where the course continued. Our coach drilled into us this phenomenon of quote, seven to 10 seconds of free lactic acid. In the case of running, lactic acid is produced by short, intense bursts of speed without enough oxygen available to sustain your effort. Now, in order for the lactic acid to be oxidized and actually used during the aerobic activity or turned into glycogen or turned into protein, you have to slow down. But this phenomenon our coach told us about was that while we would certainly get a lactic acid buildup during the five kilometer race and need to slow down at points, we all have these seven to 10 seconds at the very beginning of the race. This was key. It had to be used at the beginning of sprinting ability and the lactic acid would not negatively affect us. But the key, let me repeat, Was that it had to be used at the beginning, kind of a use it or lose it deal. So, based on how this course was laid out, he implored us to sprint across that huge field and be the first runners into the bottleneck in order to avoid getting stuck in the back of the pack, waiting while all the other runners sifted through. I thought about that scene so many times during the beginning of the pandemic. In hindsight, I realized that I took advantage of those free seven to 10 seconds of lactic acid before burning out and that was a good thing. We shut down on a Sunday night, and 12 hours later, we held our first Zoom class. I didn't spend a lot of time hemming and hawing. We just went for it. To use the cross-country race scenario, I sure as hell wasn't French braiding my hair and face painting on my school spirit colors, but rather I threw on my spikes, tightened my bedhead ponytail, and elbowed my way to the front of the pack. My problem kicked in when I didn't slow down. I burned through those free 7 to 10 seconds of lactic acid in about 7 to 10 days, and then I continued to try to work at that same pace without refueling nor resting. And that was a big mistake. I was constantly checking my email, obsessed with responding in milliseconds, afraid that if I caused someone to wait a moment too long for a response, that that person would lose faith in my studio, in our community, and in me. I filmed a ton of short content in my home and even at the studio when we were closed fixated on making sure we were offering enough. But this didn't mean just filming. It meant video setup, editing, and uploading. After we set up our on-demand platform, which was after about a month of the shutdown, I think I finally took a breath. And I honestly think that was way too long to wait. I mean, obviously it was. In every original hot yoga class, we take a savasana literally between every single pose for the entire second half of class. Each Savasana is like a gas station for the yogis to refuel, which is really why people feel so refreshed and recharged after taking that yoga class specifically because of all the rest built in. Yes, you're working and burning and struggling and sweating but you're resting as much as you're working. It took me a while to let that lactic acid transform into more useful things for me. And going through that sprint of an experience was enough to help me identify when I've used up the free lactic acid and when I'm just digging myself deeper into a hole of exhaustion. The big lesson here is that it's okay to sprint. And more than okay, it's important to be intentional about when you sprint. Pick your places in business, in life, in parenthood, in the confines of an actual 5k. And then in order to have the capacity to sprint again, when you need to, you've got to take time to rest and recharge before that lactic acid gets the best of you and burns you out beyond repair. Lesson number two, done is better than perfect. And perfect does not mean no mistakes. This is actually a great lesson to follow up, number one, because sprinting the way we did at the beginning of the shutdown forced me to embrace the done is better than perfect mentality. I mean, we taught on Zoom. We emailed people playlists. My kids walked in on me teaching multiple times. The iPad overheated in the hot room at the studio and stopped working. We had internet connections lost and people not be able to download Zoom and students who were unmuted and yet... We just kept going. Honestly, if I had waited until things were perfect, I think I would still be waiting to teach a live stream class because the truth is the situation is never perfect. The sooner I accepted that, the easier it became to keep moving forward. Now, we recorded nearly 500 classes over the past couple of years, and the majority of them were taught from our homes. The first time my son, who's four now, but was only two and a half at the time, walked in on me teaching and plopped himself down on the mat I was mortified. I was so worried he'd start talking and disrupt the class. He didn't, thank goodness, but I was so on edge. Then when the class ended, everyone unmuted and said how much they loved seeing him and how special it was for an extra participant to join in. After that, I loosened up a lot. And I think some of the best recorded classes are the ones where my kids and my dog quietly join in. In hindsight, those were the perfect moments of the pandemic because they were real, unscripted and natural. That footage showed what we were all going through. Members of a yoga community sweating at home, alone but together, a small business owner just trying to figure it out, and kids at home. So many kids at home all the time. That was all of our realities, and we captured it. If you wait till things are perfect to send the email, to apply for the job, to teach the yoga class, heck, to take the yoga class, you'll be waiting forever. And it's the imperfections the roadblocks, and the mistakes that will provide the invaluable lessons from which you can grow and transform. Lesson three, get a support system of people who accurately understand what you're going through. This was a really important one. I'm going to be honest. At the end of 2020, I began to slip into a low-grade depression. I had moderate anxiety, and I began talking to a therapist. It was at this time that I turned to two other studio owners and really opened up lines of communication with these women. The three of us started a group text where we'd share what was working, what wasn't, and how to keep growing while our classes were still so small. We shared tiny wins and each and every little disappointment. If I ran a promotion that really worked, I'd share what I did so they could do it too. These two other women are studio owners, mothers, and incredible yogis who helped pull me up on my hard days and leaned on me during theirs. I had felt really alone during this time. After all, I certainly was not an essential worker nor a stay-at-home mom, but here I was essentially working at home. I was trying to help people figure out how to heat up their offices, their bedrooms, their bathrooms, so they could sweat it out at home. I was asking myself if six feet of social distance meant from Matt's edge to Matt's edge or middle of the mat to middle of the mat. I was stressing out about whether opening our shower rooms would cause a COVID outbreak in the business. Needless to say, I was in an unusual position and my little support system got it. I think that whatever challenge or transition you're experiencing, whether it's becoming a parent or moving or shifting jobs or dealing with loss, the simple comfort of having a few key people in whom to confide and to lean on will provide necessary support to help you stay focused and clear-headed when you need it most. Lesson four, don't be afraid of change. Be afraid of staying the same. For nearly eight years, my business offered one thing, one class style. That's it. I was so afraid to branch out into different offerings because I didn't want to upset the status quo. And I feared what the greater yoga community would think. Much like my hesitation to replace the Bikram name with original hot yoga, I waffled on adding more classes as well. Thank goodness I got over those fears or more accurately decided to move forward nonetheless because once we added Inferno Hot Pilates back in 2018, we immediately started serving so many more members of the community. So many more people started sweating. I definitely think that branching out to more class offerings helped save my studio from permanent pandemic closure. Of course, a lot of other details went into it as well. But being open to evolving made it so that when the shutdown happened, we didn't sit around with our hands tied behind our backs, unable to keep going because the scenario was now different. No, we had strengthened our adaptation muscles. So we were ready to go. And I don't just mean my staff and me. I mean our yogis. They'd been, quote, practicing, trying these new classes so that when we said, okay, everybody, download Zoom and fire up your space heater they jumped at it. The class with which we initially branched out, Inferno Hot Pilates, proved to be a really conducive class to practice at home during the shutdown. Now, maybe people's home furnaces couldn't get up to inferno level, so it was more moderately warm Pilates, but people could bang out 55 minutes of glute bridges, core work, and high-intensity interval training in their homes. Even yogis who mainly only took yoga in the studio started showing up for an IHP at home and stayed connected that way. The feedback people gave us was that shorter classes were better at home. Coming from someone who offered only a 90-minute class for so long, it seemed downright sacrilegious to offer something much shorter, let alone under an hour. But we did it, and it helped. It helped not only our students stay together, but it helped keep people sweating because they could bite off that digestible little nugget of a 25 to 30 minute home workout. This is trite, but I'll say it anyway. It's not the strongest to survive. It's the most willing to evolve. The evolution of more classes not only helped my business survive, but more importantly, it also helped our members maintain and even improve their own personal health and well-being during the stress and uncertainty of the pandemic. I saw the proof of how tweaking and improving helped everything. And I have my eyes wide open for opportunities to evolve, whether for my business or how I go about my own yoga practice or how I parent, really how I live my life. If I can evolve to become kinder, more thoughtful, more efficient, more helpful, and happier, well, why the heck not? We've made it to the last one. And I'll be honest, this one makes me emotional. Lesson number five, women business leaders are needed and they're needed now. When the shutdown happened two years ago, I actually asked myself, should we even reopen? My lease extension was coming to an end. I'd have to sign on for another five years. We couldn't even open our doors yet. And we didn't know for how long the pandemic would affect us. And it was hard. Running the brick and mortar studio online was hard. But when I truly considered closure, I felt a fire light up that reinvigorated me to persevere instead. Heck no, I thought. I'm not done with this. The pandemic exposed how many burdens women and moms carry, how the structure of our society and the expectations don't make it easy for mothers to work at all. And I truly believed that if my business could survive the pandemic, I'd not only offer yoga that changes people's lives and create an income to help contribute to my family, but I could also pave a new path that doesn't look like what we've seen, a new path that I can show my daughter and my sons for that matter of an example of what it looks like to work and be a mother. Women are resilient. We get it done. We have a different kind of compassion, grit, insight, patience, outlook, opinions, and resolve that affect our world. And mothers especially bring an entirely unique perspective to the business table. And I believe that that perspective will infuse more soul, more love, and more grace into businesses everywhere. I spent many months of the pandemic overwhelmed by my duties as a mother and how they were, I thought at a time, limiting my abilities in helping my studio. But upon reflection, I actually think that the unique skill set that I've naturally developed through motherhood is what gave hometown sweat the edge in pandemic survival. I will forever be inspired by what mothers can endure and accomplish from the big feats to the tiny daily routines. And I've had a huge paradigm shift made obvious by all that moms endured during the pandemic, that motherhood is not a limiting liability, but rather an incredible asset. Well, there you have it. This episode was equal parts intense and cathartic to create. I know for certain that seeing a full class at my studio will always feel exciting. It'll be something for which to be grateful. Giving fellow yogis fist bumps and high fives, being able to hug a member who's taking their first class in years are all things I will forever treasure. And I'm keeping these five lessons near me because although the pandemic brought them to light, There are lessons by which I want to live. In case you missed the intro of this episode, I want to remind you that I'll be matching the first $55 donations to Sunflower of Peace, a Boston-based nonprofit providing medical and humanitarian aid that will be used by the paramedics and doctors in the areas that are affected by the violence in Ukraine. What that means is that if you're one of the first 50 people to donate $5, email me a screenshot of your receipt and I'll match it. My email address will be in the show notes. Not only that, but I'll also donate a dollar for the first hundred downloads of this podcast episode. That means if you're right down the street or across the ocean, you can pretty easily make a small difference simply by downloading the episode. So what do you need to do? Share the episode, grab the link and text it to your friends. And if you have five bucks to spare, donate it, email me a picture of the receipt and I'll match it. Thank you so much for tuning in today and for listening. Thank you especially for downloading and thank you for donating. I'm your host, Maria McBride, and I can't wait to tune in with you next week.